Hello, good evening, good morning or good afternoon whenever you happen to be listening to the podcast. Uh, it occurs to me I've constantly been saying good evening at the start of any of these sessions. Um, but uh, each episode, obviously, you can listen whenever you like. So uh, uh, where, wherever you are and whenever you're listening, uh, I hope uh, hope you can hear everything well and that uh, yeah, thank you for tuning into the podcast. Um, I put out a, a, a plea last week for um, authors and I've had a a barrage of uh, of people get in touch and try to, to kind of oh yeah this is what I'm doing so um, I've got my wee script ahead of me so I'll read through but uh, as I say it's um, it was a really I've never had a response like this with anything that I've been doing with Perthshire so far um, the listener count doubled this week um, it's been uh, surprising an awful lot more work than I'm used to uh, I tried to set up my um, script on Sunday so as I'll say later on um, I've had to put some people's stuff to the other side because I just didn't have the time to process everything in and get it all into the script. I'll explain what will happen with all the other information I've got later though. So, um, last Thursday was World Book Day and though many local schools and other organisations waited uh, until Friday to put on their book related festivities, there's overall a kind of book festivities thing tends to go on um, for book day and it continues on for, for some places certainly for retailers, uh, they'll do a wee thing to do with book day as well. Um, I know certainly uh, retailers like Waterstones, they receive the little vouchers that they give out in school where you get a pound off a book or you get a free book, a World Book Day specially published book. Um, so the the idea of World Book Day extends a little further than that and I've pushed the bracket a little bit wider as well. Um, with this in mind, I thought it might be good for this week's Perthshire podcast to turn into a focus um, regarding the huge range of local authors that we have on uh, in Perthshire. Uh, I reached out to a few authors that I know for information on what they've been up to, uh, and I was also happy to re receive, as I say, a lot more than a few messages from other local authors. Um, many of them I've never met before, I'm aware of them or I've heard of them through someone else. Um, surprising number of people have been in touch so uh, thank you for everyone that reached out and um, not all of them write for children so their experience of World Book Day as I say that was going to be the original topic for this week um, the experiences that the kind of writers for older people uh, had are probably be a, a little bit different however they were all still good enough to share a little bit of uh, what they've been up to as well uh, and also share some information about themselves and their books um, quickly just a wee mention if you are a local author and you contacted me through the course of the past week and you don't hear yourself mentioned uh, in this episode please bear with me uh, in light of the amount of uh, responses I've uh, I've decided to add a, a local writers segment to each episode going forward uh, it won't be a long segment um, I don't want to kind of turn the Perthshire Hour, uh, podcast into Perthshire Authors podcast I think that would be kind of a uh, definitely stepping away from what the plan was with it <laughs> um, but being mindful of the fact that there's an awful lot of local authors now listening into the podcast and contributing uh, in various ways to the podcast um, I've decided that I'm going to put in just a, a short snippet in the middle of um, each podcast episode just to do a wee highlight on a local author or local writer or poet or whatever um, so um, as I say it's not going to be a long segment I hope it'll help you as an author or writer whatever you classify yourself as, uh, help you share some information about um, what you're up to. Um, I'm hoping it shares things about local writers um, and the breadth of poetry, prose, fiction and non-fiction that's been created on our doorstep. 
Um, I think it's always interesting for people, if you don't realise this kind of creative endeavour is taking place where you live, uh, it's really surprising, I think, sometimes, unless you're uh, interacting with people in this kind of environment. Um, an awful lot of people don't realise. It doesn't just go for writers, it goes for musicians, it goes for artists. Phenomenal amount of creativity going on in Perthshire. Um, and that was this the, the, the focus on the wee kind of miniature focus on writers I've got planned going forward um, it's just going to be a small snippet but I think it should hopefully highlight um, some of the creativity that's going on um, also open to anyone that's a musician or um, a, an artist or whatever if you want to talk about your own work as well um, as I've said in every single podcast episode so far if you'd like to have me mention in the podcast I'm always open to information people I've got to give me whether it's an event you've got coming up or just something you're excited to talk about um, please just get in touch there's a bit on my website where you can just fill in a little form so we used that this week it worked just perfectly so uh, pleased to know that that's working fine um, but there's other ways of getting in touch with me as well through various different social media so hopefully you'll find me however you've come across the podcast you'll hopefully come across um, ways of getting in touch as well um, so if you do have something to share please let me know uh, should also note that um, a lot of the messages that I've received over the last, certainly the last few days, have been um, from local poets as well, uh, and they were all reaching out to share information about their upcoming publications or what they've been up to. Um, and because of the volume of poetry-specific responses, and with International Poetry Day coming up on Tuesday the 21st of March, I thought it might be a good idea to highlight the incredible range of poets that we've got on our doorstep with a poetry special and that will be on Wednesday the 22nd, 22nd of March which I think is in two weeks time so got a lot of creativity going on for March maybe that's springtime or something everybody's all up and getting up to things um, if you'd like to contribute get in touch um, I do already have a lot of people that want to contribute um, we're going to try something a bit different the podcast has always just been me talking into a microphone i've never claimed any expertise in audio mixing i'm going to see what i can do um, the podcast might be released in a very different way than the twitter live space uh, for this particular special uh, primarily because a lot of people are sending me in uh, audio recordings and i'm so pleased they are because if it's uh, some of the audio recordings it's going to be poetry and i always feel like the poet sometimes captures what the, the flow, the kind of rhythm of how they want that piece read, uh, sometimes they capture that an awful lot better than I think you can just from reading it off of a page. So I'm more than happy to receive the audio files and um, we're going to try and get that arranged. Um, and as I say, the poetry special should be a selection of uh, poetry readings from local poets um, and also a little bit of information about um, who they are, what they're up to. Um, as, uh, as I found out over the last few days, We've got quite a community of local poets and uh, it would be really nice to give them the opportunity to, to be to seen and heard uh, in, a, in a good venue. So hopefully uh, you'll tune in for that in a couple of weeks. Um, so, as I say, with that poetry day set in the future, uh, let's turn our attention back to novels and writers of prose and we'll see who is writing in Perthshire and what they've been up to in regards to World Book Day or uh, in kind of broad terms what they've been up to over the last wee while. Um, I got in touch with Helen Grant uh, and she informed me that she she didn't do anything specific for World Book Day. Um, Helen writes uh, kind of thriller books. Um, now she did used to write in the young adult section, so that's why I got in touch with her, um, which would have meant she maybe would have been doing some school visits and things in the past. But she now uh, she 
she the last time she published a young young adult novel was quite a few years ago now uh, so she mainly writes for adults now and so world book days just it's just uh, it's an event that typically is for children and teens so helen's not done a world book day event however she was really uh, good enough to sit down and kind of give me a bit more information on what she's been up to and it's quite exciting um uh, she's got her ninth novel jump cut uh, it's going to be published this autumn the exact date still to be confirmed but it's, it'll be released by fledging fledgling press in edinburgh and helen explained the book is about haunted lost film and it's set in Perthshire. The exact location isn't named, but it's set around here. And by here, she, she lives in the Creef area. Uh, I know her, but, um, by, but us both being local to Creef area. Um, so when she says here, it's going to be set somewhere around Creef by the sound of things. But she hasn't named the space. So um, uh, She also has a, a story coming out in Titan Books' uh, Twice Cursed anthology in April. And other contributors to this anthology include Neil Gaiman, Joe Hill and Sarah Pinborough. Uh, I genuinely, personally, I'm really impressed by the list of names she gave me, and uh, I can't wait to get a hold of a copy of it myself. Uh, the theme of this particular anthology is dark fairy tales with a curse, and Helen's story is called A Curse is a Curse. Um, so, despite the lack of World Book Day info, uh, I'm really pleased that Helen took the time to share some genuinely exciting book news uh, with the Perthshire Hour podcast. So, thanks, Helen, for taking the time to just get in touch with me and let me know what you're up to. Um, and on to the next one. I'm going to have to be fairly quick with it this week. Uh, I think this is probably going to be the longest episode we've ever done. Um, next up, we had David McPhail. Uh, David writes about nice Vikings, ghost granddads, and even more Vikings, uh, among other things. Uh, he's a constantly busy guy and every time I've spoken to him recently he's either just completed a school visit or a book event or he's on the way to one. Uh, so last week was no exception and David was away up in Inverness. Uh, David filled me in on his busy day including an encounter with a Viking Oompa Loompa which I hadn't realised was a thing. Uh, I, uh, I used to visit school a lot myself um, for book talks um, but uh, lockdowns changed the game a little bit. Uh, so with this in mind I asked David how he feels about how things are because he's been in schools an awful lot over the last few while um, and uh, he sounded really optimistic um, he said yes there are more festivals coming back and school visits and people coming out of the woodwork who you haven't heard of for a few years so it sounds like authors are finally getting the chance to get back into schools and share their love of literature and writing once more um, so I guess that means I'm going to need to pick up the phone and get myself booked into a few school talks as well <laughs> Um, so anyway, thanks for taking a few minutes to uh, from your, your schedule, uh, David. It obviously sounds like a very busy schedule uh, and I uh, appreciate you taking the time to tell us what you've been up to for World Book Day. Um, next up, we had Pauline Tate. Uh, Pauline's pretty much responsible for the reason I have a Perthshire Hour um, author special this week. Uh, she emailed me a couple of weeks ago and uh, we were kind of talking backwards and forwards uh, about her upcoming uh, World Book Day event that she had in Stirling. Um, she hosted this event at Waterstones in Stirling, so sorry it's not Perthshire, but she is Perthshire based herself. Um, and uh, for her it was a return visit because uh, she was uh, their visiting author for World Book Day last year as well. Um, her event was Storytime where she read from her Fairy in the Kettle trilogy and then followed with arts and crafts where she and the children made fairy wings and wands and finger puppets. Uh, as I say, it was after talking to Pauline about all of this that I decided that an author-focused episode would be a great way to showcase the various writers that are found in our area. So, uh, Pauline, thanks for the inspiration for this week's episode. Um, 
Pauline's, and I'll give you a bit of an insight into Pauline as well. So, um, Pauline's a novelist and a children's author. Her work is varied, encompassing picture books as well as a suspen suspenseful romances. She's lived and worked in Perthshire all her life and she currently writes full time. Uh, she explained to me that she has a deep-seated passion to encourage our younger generations in their own reading and writing, which I do through school events. This can be as a story time followed by Q&A or a chat about all things writing and being an author, or I can give a creative writing lesson. Uh, Stuka also took a moment to explain some of the thinking that's gone into her children's books. Um, she said, uh, my years working with reluctant readers means that my picture books are laid out in a particular way. Uh, care is given to the choice and colour of fonts and my covers are tactile. My stories also promote kindness, thoughtfulness, friendship and working together. Uh, Pauline was in primary literacy support for a number of years, working with children who needed extracurricular support in their reading and writing. Uh, for some children that relationship will have been a temporary thing, so she might have helped them get to a particular key stage and hit their targets for reading. Uh, however, uh, as she explained to me, sometimes um, she would work with the same child all the way through till the end of primary school. Um, so this has, as it said, by the sounds of things, this has influenced the way that she writes her books. So if you know a reluctant reader or if you know a child that's maybe struggling with their reading, um, Pauline's put some considerable time and effort into making sure that her books will appeal to children um, who might struggle a bit with their reading um, and hopefully give them an access to literacy. literacy. Um, that will be uh, enjoyable for them. Um, her picture book catalog, back catalogue includes The Fairy and the Kettle trilogy and uh, her new picture book character has recently been revealed via social media uh, and we'll all get to meet Wanda the Weary Witch when her book is published in August this year. Uh, on the other end of the reading age spectrum, because Pauline is very busy by the sense of things, Pauline also has news about a couple of her, uh, a couple of her books for adults. So Pauline's first novel, A Life of Their Own, was first published in 2019, uh, but has since been republished as a second edition. Uh, and that was in October last year with a new cover as part of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Pauline describes it as a suspenseful romance and rather than focusing on domestic violence, this novel offers hope and inspiration as it follows a young mother's journey, both emotionally and physically, as she flees an abusive marriage with her two young children. On the rear pages of the book, there are contact details for charities around the world, and they are there as a first point of contact, ready to help. Pauline's next suspenseful romance, Abigail Returns, is set in the Isle of Skye and is the first in a six-book series. This is, sounds ambitious. I, I know how much uh, work goes into uh, certainly trying to set out the chronology of a book series that big. Uh, my own book series is about the same size, and so far I've got two out, and the third one as I'll mention uh, at the end of this um, podcast episode, the third one should be out sometime this year. Um, so uh, so her uh, Abigail Returns is, uh, as I say, set in the Isle of Skye. It's the first in a six-book series, and it's due for publication in late May, early June of this year. Uh, so, as I said, it sounds like Pauline has a busy year ahead of her, uh, and I just wanted to say thanks again for taking the time to tell us a bit about yourself and your books, Pauline, and for <laughs> inspiring me to kind of do a, a uh, author-focused podcast episode. I hope it goes well. I hope people don't tune out um, and that there's enough information in here that's of interest for non-authors. I'm always conscious of this when I'm talking about writing. Uh, I just hope it doesn't put people off. Um, so uh, bear with me. We'll get back to normal Perthshire next week. I just thought it'd be nice to kind of talk about all these different authors. 
Uh, next up we had Fiona Lowry, uh, so uh, got contact through Instagram with Fiona. Uh, Fiona's based in Perthshire where she lives with her family. Uh, her two children are the first to hear her new stories and they offer her uh, constant inspiration with their infectious lust for life. On top of being an author, Fiona is also a designer and director of a successful design and installation company. Having discovered the power of positive thinking, Fiona wanted to translate that into inspiring stories for children. Stories which she hopes will, as she puts it, encourage them to enjoy their imagination, believe in themselves and follow their authentic inner voice. Her two self-published books, Franco and the Greenlight Fairy and Felix's Favourite Day, are available on Amazon. Her third book, Meeting Pip, is coming soon. On her website, she explained that she has created a writing space, uh, which I wish I could get hold of one of them myself, because uh, I write in uh, an office that's basically in our living room, so it's always busy here. So her own writing space certainly sounds lovely. And she also notes that she's working on several other stories inspired by the world and events around her. Uh, next up, I uh, got in touch with... Um, So I got in touch with uh, Lindsay Gibb. Sorry, I just lost track of my, my script there. Um, and uh, she, I didn't realise she's got a, a different day job than, than she's a, a local storyteller and she also published a, a kind of anthology of Perthshire folk tales uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, but I've seen an awful lot of press for it um, in different social media contexts. So I kind of thought I'll reach out and kind of check in on it because it, it's quite a substantive kind of collection of Perthshire folk tales. Um, as I say, her primary kind of methodology for, for telling stories, that she is a storyteller, she does live storytelling events. Discussed live storytelling in a previous episode of the podcast, but I always find it really impressive. It's extremely, not necessarily improvised uh, methodology for telling a story, but it's so intimate and so real and live. Um, and you always get the sense that they're kind of putting out the feelers to the audience they have and what type of rendition of this particular tale is going to come out that night so I feel as if you'll never quite hear the same story to the same way twice um, even if you kind of go and visit the same author sorry the same same storyteller um, so as I say Lindsay is a storyteller but she has this um, anthology of um, uh, Perthshire folk tales uh, available as well um, but she she contacted I'm just going to read her email because it, it just blew me away I didn't know this was the kind of thing that she was up to so she says hi John uh, for World Book Day I was actually working my other job for the Royal Scottish Geographical Society where we were hosting uh, Lice Doucet BBC chief foreign correspondent who sp spoke very movingly about reporting in the Turkey Syria earthquake Ukraine the evacuation of Kabul amongst others one of the best talks I've ever been to and Lice is a great storyteller one of the reasons I'm a storyteller is because I love stories, and so I go and see other storytellers of all sorts whenever I can. It's been a busy time as I've just finished a stint as one of the in-house storytellers at Spectra, Scotland's Festival of Light in Aberdeen, and I've got several projects in development and I'm currently doing lots of research. I continue to work with the Cataran Eco Museum and I'm looking forward to our next event on Sunday the 7th of May in Glenshee, where I'll be telling new and old Perthshire stories connected to the legendary Finn McCool. Um, and she's posted a pile of links uh, she's aware, she listens into the podcast herself, uh, so she's got links to her profile and things like that, which I will put in with uh, kind of the show notes I think is the best way to put it, that's the, that's the industry term for it, so in with the show notes for the podcast episode, uh, I'll have links there as well, and as, as is normally the case, I'll pop it up as basically as if it's a, a, a 
a blog post on my uh, business website. So um, easy enough to access and then you can click on links and find out more uh, about what Lindsay's up to and who she is and all that kind of thing. Uh, last uh, on the list for this week is a short um, thing about myself. As I say, uh, I'm a children's author primarily. I do have a few books for adults that I've written. They're not out in the world yet, so I don't count myself as a, a writer for uh, for adults. So at the moment, children's author. Um, and I've got a new book hopefully coming out this year, uh, which is the third part of a trilogy that's been long, long awaited. Um, there, there's been a lot of hiccups because of um, lockdowns, etc. Um, and just work commitments. Uh, my whole strategy on getting my books out in the world changed a lot over the last few years. Um, but uh, third book should be out this year. I was going to read a draft chapter from it, um, but I must admit I chickened out. Um, I've just I've not had a chance to f- sort of um, pass it under the the watchful eye of my my editor. Um, so I've, I've, I want to see what she has to say about it before I uh, get it out and kind of read it to the world. Um, but hopefully it's kind of it's in a pretty good kind of finished section uh, as far as I'm concerned. So it should be out sometime uh, this year. I'm hoping to coincide with uh, after the school holidays so it should be out in time for autumn um, instead I decided I was going to read a section from uh, my uh, sort, of th- sort of dark fantasy thriller type book um, it seemed that children of about I said 10 plus originally but 11 or 12 plus depending on their sensibilities it's got some dark themes there's a bit of ghosts and monsters and all that kind of thing in it um, so I was just going to read uh, it's, it's written in short chapters. I've always been mindful that um, reluctant readers can be put off by a long chapter. So all my books so far have been written with very, very short chapters with this in mind. I just want kids to feel that they can pick up the book, read it, and they've got a chapter under their belt. And I always feel like that's a nice way to do things. So all of my books have always been published with that short chapter length. And I have had kids in school book talks tell me that this is the first time they've read a whole chapter book because they didn't feel, oh, they can't get through each chapter. They, they felt as if each night they could just read one chapter. Um, and it, that was a, an amazing feeling to know that not just one, a few children have come up to me and said, your book is the first um, chapter book that I've read by myself. That was for my first book, Jack Rusin and the Fae Flame. Uh, but this tonight is a wee section from uh, my book, Marcus which, as I say, is a kind of dark fantasy. It's a bit older uh, in, in nature. Chapter 1. The Photograph. 27th of November, 1992. It was a no-jacket sort of lunchtime. The wind stung James's face as he ran after his friends, but he didn't care. They hadn't stopped running since they got outside. His hair stuck to his head with sweat, and there was a fire in his belly as he raced to take Scott, a boy so small and so fast they nicknamed him Taz, after the Tasmanian Devil cartoon. No one at his school kicked James or stole his gym shoes. He didn't have to spend lunchtime talking to the dinner ladies. He could even leave his coat in the pile by the railing, knowing it would be there when he went back. He had been here for a few months, not even a year, but this place already felt like heaven. There was one really weird thing about Creef Primary, something the other kids didn't see. James wasn't the only new kid in school. Another boy, Marcus, had started a few weeks ago. James couldn't shake the feeling that there was something not right about Marcus. The other kids acted like they had known Marcus their whole lives. Marcus knew things about people. He could remember their names, what their favourite TV shows were, their favourite games. Marcus made the whole process of making friends look easy. He was the perfect kid. It was the 
perfect thing that made James uncomfortable. He wanted to hate the guy, but he couldn't. Marcus slipped past him, narrowly, narrowly escaping a tig. He swung round with a huge grin as soon as he was far enough away. Come on, James, let someone else get a turn at being it. Fire bubbled in James's belly, and he forced his legs to sprint ever closer to Marcus. Eyebrows raised, Marcus turned and jetted off. The more James pushed himself, the more the November air bit at his lungs. It went beyond being fun and started to hurt. His temples throbbed like an ice cream headache as he made his final lunge at Marcus. His fingertips brushed his shoulder as he forced the word TIG out of his aching lungs. He knew Marcus felt it too, but the perfect boy shook his head with a laugh. You'll have to try the harder than that, Jamie. What? They both knew he'd caught him. Marcus was it now, but he ran off laughing anyway. And what was he playing at, calling James Jamie? There were two people in the world who called him Jamie, his mum and his granny. And his granny couldn't call him it anymore, since she was dead. James stopped running, blood rushing to his face as the fury swelled inside. You know I got you, he raised his voice louder, announcing it to as many folk in the playground as would listen. I got Marcus, he's it. A few girls took jumpy steps away from Marcus, but most of the others just frowned. Marcus shook his head and made a face as if to say, so he says, and most of the others relaxed. It was a tried and tested sneak tactic for some kids to pretend they hadn't been caught. It was one of the ways slower kids could still join in. No one seemed to believe that Marcus would fake it though. James could tell his face had gone that weird pink speckled way it did when he was properly upset. He flung his arms out to his sides. Fine, I'm out. I'm not playing anymore. Taz zipped towards James, a frown covering his face, clearly worried about his friend. That only got James more annoyed. Taz crossed his fingers, the sign that he wasn't part of the game for now. Are you okay? Look, maybe he just thought you got him. Balling up his fists to keep the rage at bay, James looked his best friend straight in the eye and swore. It was a phrase he'd heard a couple of times on TV. He wasn't even sure he'd said it right. The shock on Taz's face left James ashamed, but it was the yell from Mrs Eastwick, the playground supervisor, that really made James's guts drop. James! Did you say what I think you did? That's it. Ten house points gone and you can go straight to the headmistress's office. At least Marcus had the good sense to look sorry for what he'd done as James was paraded past him on the way into the school. Lunchtime was over. James had never been sent to the headmistress's office before. He'd never really been in trouble, either at this school or the old one. The macaroni cheese he'd had for lunch lurched up in his throat as he took the steps down to the front of the school. The corridor outside the headmistress's office stank of bleach. It didn't help the sick feeling. Mrs Eastwick told him to sit on a spongy seat while she went in to see Miss Bruce. The seat was way more comfortable than the ones they had at their desks. It was clearly an old one from the staff room, a grown-up chair for people visiting the school. James's mum and dad had sat here with him when they were asking about moving into Creef Primary. Miss Bruce had smiled the whole time and had even got James a mug of hot chocolate while they talked about James's hobbies and favourite subjects. Miss Bruce was not smiling this time. Come in, James. Thanks, Maggie. I'll talk to James about this. You better get back up. It's 20 minutes before the bell. Mrs Eastwick gave a sharp nod and hustled back up the stairs. James was ushered into the office and given a seat opposite the desk. There was no offer of hot chocolate, no smiles. Miss Bruce sat down and looked at him. Not one word had been said since Mrs Eastwick left James half, and ha James half expected the bell for the end of lunch to go before Miss Bruce would say anything. She sighed. 
James, what happened out there? I could hardly believe it when I heard what you'd said to Scott. James tried to explain about Marcus and how he ticked him. He explained how no one believed him. They all sided with Marcus. They all loved Marcus. Miss Bruce shook her head and held a hand up, telling him to stop. But it wasn't Marcus you said that horrible thing to. It was someone who came and tried to help you, your friend. From what I can tell, Scott seems to be your best friend. James nodded. There wasn't anything he could say. Pins and needles prickled his face. He could feel Miss Bruce judging him. She got up from her desk and made her way to a wall filled with strange little shelves. There were papers slotted into each one, photocopies of different forms and worksheets. It was where she'd got the forms for James's mum and dad just a few weeks ago. I really hadn't expected to have to write up one of these for you, James. I'm sorry to have to do it. She placed a small pile of paper on her desk, the kind that copies what you write into the layers below. James couldn't remember the name for it. Miss Bruce looked up from her writing. Okay, so this is a demerit slip. A copy of this will go to your parents, and we keep this carbon copy in your school record. She pulled the sheets apart. She took the blue copy sheet over to a cabinet and sorted through to find a folder with James's name on it. The folder held all his certificates and awards. James spotted a copy of his first place certificate for his Burns poetry reading in primary one. Now all the things he was proud of would be joined with his smudgy blue demerit slip. Miss Bruce closed the filing cabinet and was about to say something when someone knocked on the door. Mr Thomas, the janitor's assistant, leaned in the door, a pale, ill look on his face. Sorry, Miss Bruce, it's the boiler. We need to call someone out. James was left in the office as Miss Bruce followed Mr Thomas out. The iron radiators clinked from heating, but Mrs. Miss Bruce's room was still chilly. James's jacket was still in the playground. He looked down at his hands, knotted on his knees, white as bone. He tried to warm them at the radiator. Facing the wall, his eyes drifted over old pictures of the school. Close to his face, black and white, one caught his eye. The little card in the glass frame read, Pupils practising gas mask use. Creef Primary, picture from Strathairn Herald, 4th of November, 1942. And there, right at the front, holding his gas mask, was Marcus. That's the end of chapter one. Um, so, I didn't realise I was actually going to end up doing such a long reading, so apologies for that. Um, I... Uh, where are we? Um, so I, I normally add in a, a sort of social media hints and tips bit um, in the podcast as well. Um, I'm aware that we've gone over the 30 minute mark. I normally try and stick to 30 minutes only. Um, it sometimes runs over a little bit. But there's one particular social media thing. It's not a tip or a trick this week that I think I'm going to have to try and um, point towards. I mentioned this when I set the live space up um, on Twitter uh, earlier this evening because I usually put the live space on and then I start recording the podcast so the the live space on Twitter was the primary means of kind of communicating uh, for Perthshire Hour and the idea was to kind of integrate the live space with Perthshire, uh, Perthshire Hour uh, on Twitter uh, and read out the hashtags as they came up and the live space was also an opportunity for people to kind of join in and uh, listen in and mention things as they came up in the podcast. Unfortunately, uh, there's an announcement. An announcement came out uh, this week that uh, Twitter. It looks as if Twitter has a plan to uh, remove the archive for recorded live streams. Now that basically means um, the 
with the archive going away, the archive is where you kind of record your live spaces um, for kind of later consumption. So I'm quite pleased in this respect that we've now set up the podcast because there is a recorded version of it that can be sat to one side and people can listen to at their leisure. Um, because if we were still just running the way we had been, uh, this would be quite a big change uh, for the, the live space itself. I'm still going to run the live space. I'm still going to run the whole thing the way it was. But as Twitter starts to change the, the system for Twitter live spaces, um, I obviously can't rely on there being a recorded version of the Twitter live space. So the live space is probably going to morph into just being a component of what's been done in the podcast anyway. So that preamble that I normally do on the live space, I think will probably vanish because if you're not tuned in at exactly the moment that has been talked about, there's no way for you to listen to it later. Um, so if I say anything that's of interest or an import within the, the, the live space, but not recorded in the podcast, there won't be a way to listen in on that at a later point. Um, so... Uh, with this in mind, I think uh, the, the, the live space will still be running. I'll still run it as a live space on Twitter if that's an easier way for people to communicate for, for uh, the Perthshire hour from 8 o'clock p.m. till 9 o'clock p.m. on a Wednesday. I'll still record at the same time. So I'll be watching the, the Perthshire hour hashtags. Uh, I'll be trying to be mindful of anyone that's messaging on WhatsApp or whatever uh, at the same time as well but it'll probably become a bit more fluid. So despite the fact we're going to call it Perthshire Hour, because that's the thing it's always been, uh, the podcast's never, I never intended for the podcast to be an hour in, in length. It just corresponds with that one hour window where people are all communicating about what they're up to with their businesses or organisations in Perthshire. Um, with Twitter changing the way the live space works, the live space wasn't a part of Perthshire Hour in the past. Um, it needn't be a part of how Perthshire Hour works, but I think it's a nice way you know what we're all up to. The other thing that we have discussed in previous episodes of the podcast is the various ways that social media platforms are changing. Um, so on Twitter you've got your kind of paid, um, your paid blue tick which you didn't used to have to pay for um, and that's changed the way that information gets shared on Twitter and um, Facebook as I said in last week's podcast, you can go back and listen to that. There's a little bit of information near the end of last week's podcast about the fact that Facebook is now trialing the same type of system in Australia for business pages and kind of that kind of organisation page. Uh, I think the thing to watch out with for that is if it's successful, if they make money from it and don't see a drop in usership, it's very likely that's going to roll out for um, businesses up and down the world. So your business page on Facebook will also kind of be subject to the same um, whims uh, as, as Facebook has had in the past with their uh, advertising strategies. So certainly when they introduced Facebook ads in a big way uh, a few years back, that had an impact on your organic viewership. I have a suspicion that paying to have your page will mean that you still get seen, whereas deciding to not pay for your page I don't think they'll close your page down or anything like that. It certainly doesn't seem to imply that. But certainly Facebook going forward seems to be another venue where it's going to be harder for businesses and organisations to communi communicate information with their customers, clients or users. Um, and Twitter seems to be quite tricky for that already. Um, so with that in mind, I think considering the fact that this is a podcast about Perthshire 
businesses, organisations, groups, uh, creatives, all that kind of thing. Because that's the kind of nature of what's been discussed in the podcast, um, that's something that I think means the podcast really should have that kind of uniform component. So I will look out to all these other social media networks. I'll pay attention to anyone that's sharing things on the WhatsApp group. I'm also open to anyone that wants to email about things. I'll, I'll pay attention to that as well. Um, but as I say, uh, it's just that mindfulness that things may change in terms of the Twitter live space. I might not be able to use it in the same way. This isn't through my own personal choice. It's just because they've changed the infrastructure of how live spaces work on Twitter. Um, I don't think this will be the last Perthshire Hour live space. I don't mean it like that. And I certainly will keep using it as long as I can. But I'm certainly not going to rely on it as a means of communicating anymore. So I basically am going to start the recording for the podcast at the same time that the live space starts. And there won't be that kind of preamble at the start that you'd normally hear. Um, so a bit of housekeeping, really. I'm just explaining that the... the the program for the way that the, the episodes will work is going to be a lot a lot more geared towards the podcast rather than leaning towards the live space. So I hope that that works okay for people. It's just the only way I can picture still being able to continue in a similar format uh, in light of the fact that uh, Twitter seems to be getting rid of the, the recorded versions of any of the live spaces. Um, so, uh, as I said, that's the kind of... Uh, the, the big one the the other thing that um uh, again this is kind of a wee kind of lean towards what's going on on um facebook facebook has <coughs> has decided on um group topics to uh, depreciate the the value of hashtags so you can't really use a hashtag on facebook in the same way that you can on twitter it's never really been an option anyway but it's going to be even harder for you to kind of pull in uh, if i typed in a perthshire or on a uh, post on Facebook there's no guarantee it's going to link to anything else like they, they certainly seem to be pulling away from hashtag use on Facebook uh, infrastructure wise it kind of makes sense it's, it's a complicated kind of backlink system that they've got so basically each hashtag in a social net social media network is treated like a web link so every time you type in a hashtag you're creating a new web link within what Facebook's doing on their website so it's going to make things complicated and a little bit messy so maybe that's their thought process but it does mean we can just forget about using hashtags on, on Facebook. It's always been tough. It's never worked particularly well. It's really hard to uh, see recent hashtag use. So you type in the hashtag, you search for it, and you just see, sometimes it'll be the most popular, but sometimes it just seems to be randomly generated. You'll see something from 2015 right next to something from last week. There's no rhyme or reason to the way it shows up. And uh, I'm, with this news in mind, uh, I've got very small hopes that it's going to be any level of improvement on that. So uh, in terms of hashtag use, definitely Twitter's still using hashtags the same way they always did. Um, but for Perthshire Hour, um, try and use other methodologies as well if you want to try and get information into the podcast. Um, as I say, I've got tons of different ways you can contact me through different socio social media networks. Uh, but also you can contact me with, uh, there's a contact form on my website. So if you're there looking at um, things to do with the podcast, whether it's the show notes um, or if you're looking at the podcast list um, that gets shared around on social media, I'll share it through the course of the week. Uh, in there as well, there's a contact bit and you just click on contact. There's a little form you fill in and uh, the email will get sent through to me and I'll know what you want to share. Whether that's a, an event or something to do with your business or if you even just want a wee spotlight on your, your business, your organisation, um, again, just wanted to say a quick thank you to all the authors that have reached out uh, over the past week. 
Um, I uh, genuinely can't, I can't believe how many people have been in touch, um, and uh, I don't think I've been able to kind of uh, get them all a mention. Certainly, the poetry component is something I'm going to try and uh, get more information out uh, in the special poetry episode in two weeks. Um, I don't have a topic for next week yet, so if you run uh, in a local organisation or if you have a local business and you've got kind of a story about something interesting about your your business that you'd like to share, whether it's um, got some historical significance or if there's something kind of that's kind of different about what you do, most independent businesses have these kind of stories. So just if you want a wee feature, get in touch and um, we'll try and kind of get you mentioned in the, the podcast for next week. Um, as I say, I'm not used to being able to plan ahead like this, um, so having the, the poetry one set up for two weeks from now, uh, I think it'd be good to get something that's maybe not specifically poetry, writers, that kind of thing, uh, themed, because I don't necessarily want to turn this podcast into writers all the time, um, because I'm very mindful of the fact it was always about uh, businesses and organisations, as well as local creatives as well. Um, so if you run a local business, if you know somebody that runs a local business or organisation and uh, you'd like a wee mention on the podcast, if you'd like to have a wee profile kind of where we kind of go more in depth, um, we've done that with Creep Connections and we also did that with um, uh, Precious Sparkle uh, last week. So uh, we'll, um, we'll try and kind of get you fitted in. Um, please get in touch over the course of the week um, or uh, I'll, I'll reach around a few different kind of uh, businesses and uh, see, see who's interested. Um, but it's always better coming from somebody that's got something interesting they want to talk about. So um, please get in touch if you'd like to be mentioned in next week's podcast. Um, not overrun as much as I thought it would, um, with uh, so much to talk about with the authors. Um, again, thank you to all the authors that took time to tell me about uh, who they are, their books, what they've been up to. Uh, and also a big thank you to all the poets that have already been uh, giving me an awful lot of information about what they're up to and what they do. Um, I will make sure that we get you guys a mention properly, uh, as I say, in the poetry special in a couple of weeks. Um, but thank you for listening in, um, and I really appreciate the uh, support that the podcast has been getting. And uh, I'll uh, see you all again uh, next week. All the best. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>